About Them Cowboys is brought to you by GameTime. It's your go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Have you ever been to a game and paid way too much for your ticket? Have you ever seen those people selling tickets outside of the game? Have you ever seen a lot of empty seats of the game and wondered where you could get those tickets? Did you know ticket prices tend to drop right before game time? Now you can take advantage of those price drops with game time. Game Time finds the lowest prices from thousands of trusted sellers right before the game to bring you the best deal possible, with prices up to 60% off. And even in the offseason, Game Time has the best MLB, NBA, concert, and theater tickets. So if you want to take the wife out to a Broadway show, Game Time has you covered. Game Time seriously is the best deal on tickets out there that is legal. So go to the App Store now, or Google Play Store, Download the Game Time app, work that clock to your advantage, and score some awesome deals on last-minute tickets. It takes a lot to make a stew. A pinch of salt and laughter, too. A scoop of kids to add the spice. A dash of love to make it nice. And you've got too many cooks, too many cooks. Cousins under pressure, gets to the way to Cook. Cook gets away from Lee. And Cook inside the 30. Tough, tough running with a flag down. Too many cooks, too many cooks. Rolling and throwing back to Cook. Got a room to roam down the sideline, staying inbounds all the way down to close to the 30-yard line. Dalvin Cook. Too many cooks. And they give it to the main man, and that's Cook, and he takes it in on a fourth and goal on the final play. He has been doing this all season long. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Well, Cows lose. Following the bye, the Kirk Cousins-led Minnesota Vikings drop the Dallas Cowboys to 5-4 on the season. As the NFC playoff picture looks even more murky for Dallas following the 28-24 loss at home on Sunday Night Football. Welcome back in. Kent Garrison here, the Chuck Lorre of the podcast, as I welcome in our Dallas Cowboys experts here at The Athletic who cover America's team from sunrise to sundown and even in their sleep for another overreaction reaction edition of About Them Cowboys. First, he's fresh off his tryout for American Ninja Warrior. It's Saad Youssef. Howdy, Saad. Howdy. What's going on? And he's keeping you informed on all things Cowboys with the tenacity of a Wolverine, a Michigan Wolverine. It's Father John Mishota. Hey, John. Oh, I hate that so much that you said that. Like, I don't like <laughs> so much, but no, uh, I know. I, that's funny, but um, I, I, I appreciate you calling me that. A Spartan. No, not that okay. either. We're, we don't, we don't, that's how you, that's how you're going to become a Florida State football fan is you distance yourself from the local teams, but that's fine. I can go with that. A D- Detroitian. Cool. Detroiter. Yeah. Okay. Detroitian Wolverine. Wait, you want to talk it's about Father Florida John. State right now? <laughs> I do. I do. They had Neon. a running back. Uh, he's pretty good. His name's Dalvin Cook. We can talk about him. <laughs> we, we'll we talk about him for sure. KT, as I <laughs> welcome you back into the hosting chair. Dalvin Cook had his way last night. Uh, we had another missed field goal from Brett Mock. <laughs> End of the game management. So 
who exactly should get the blame for this one? Oh, we're going to spread it around, but I think, uh, I mean, I think we all know where the, uh, I had, I had a tweet last night after the game and, and because I'm so thankful to get to do this podcast with you guys, because uh, there's so many angles that you want to talk about right when the game's over. And while John and Sod are in the locker room hustling and, you know, doing what they do, you know, I, I was, you know, in the hot tub. Um, but like, it's very, I was sitting there going, there's 9 million angles to this game, but the, the blade that is the sharpest for me is that we're still doing this with the head coach, but we'll save that for proper context. Let's, uh, before we run through the game, let's really talk about the locker room afterwards. And I'm very fascinated with what Jerry said, uh, after the game, John, if you'd like to elaborate on that. Yeah. You know, sometimes with Jerry, it's about what he says and also, you know, some of the stuff he doesn't say. And, um, you know, he, he was talking about how good of a job Mike Zimmer did. And, and I expected that just because he's a guy that, you know, Jerry knows well from being on the Cowboys staff for, for a long time as an assistant. And so um, I just thought it was interesting for the, you know, six or seven minutes he talked in front of the cameras and then another, you know, six, seven, eight minutes after that, how, you know, he would mention that about how good Zimmer and his staff coached and, um how he just really liked their game plan and all those things. But the other thing that was interesting was just how he said several times too about how good of a team he thinks the Cowboys are. And so I've heard him say some stuff like that before, but I don't know. I just felt like he was emphasizing it more. And I regret right now, you know, thinking about this because in the, in the moment, I, first of all, when you're around him, you can barely hear because there's so many people that you miss certain parts and things like that. But like putting it all together, getting all the audio um, this morning uh, really made me think about it. It was just like, He's putting this on like his coaching staff, that his coaching staff was, you know, that he, he thinks that there's, this is a very talented team, which he's right, you know, so where they're at right now, there's no question he thinks that they've underperformed and it just, I don't know, it's not, it shouldn't come to surprise as anyone, but like if they keep rolling like this and it ends up being a disappointing season, they're just, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be changes. They're going to have a different head coach. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in your article, uh, I got a quote. And by the way, John's got an article about the five takeaways from last night's game. And please check that out, you know, when you're done uh, listening to this, this podcast. But he says, I give – this is a quote from Jerry. I give Mike Zimmer and his staff a lot of credit. You basically could have put a sign on the start of the game that says Zeke's not going anywhere. And that was the story of the game. And that is truly the story of the game. Now, generally – we start from the beginning and go through it. Let's do that. Let's kind of go through it. And then I think we will spend quite a bit of time on that sequence in the fourth quarter. And, you know, the, the damages from this game in general, because that's a tough one to lose. Um, but a very entertaining game nonetheless. Cowboys get the ball first. Two first downs. Then they get a third and six. And uh, they bring the blitz. They go ahead and... On the first drive of the game from the 40-yard line, that is their Minnesota 40, they go ahead and attempt a 57-yard field goal. Now, it's one of those things where you kill the decision if he misses it, and if he makes it, you go, you shrug your shoulders and go, okay, wow, okay. I don't know where I was on that. I, I really wasn't. It, was, it would have been fourth and six. I don't think I was in the boat of going for it. I don't really think I was standing in some boat that said punt. And I don't think I was in some mode of kick a field goal. I was kind of just curious to see what happened. I didn't really have some opinion of what they should do because to me that's a tough that's a tough spot to be in right there on the first drive of the game, fourth and six on the other team's forty. Uh, what did you guys think about that decision to go for the fifty-seven yarder? 
Well, I thought, I mean, I wasn't, I, I was kind of where you were, KT, where I wasn't really feeling strongly about any one thing, but I think I was definitely, well, not, not, not I think, I was definitely leaning towards punting because I thought that, you know what, if you can pin them deep and which like, you know, you have a punter that has shown that he's capable of doing that. If you can pin them deep and pin them deep, then you're playing a field position game and you know, you come back and you'll have a better chance to score uh, when you when you get the ball back again. Now, the way the offense looked for the for the Vikings, you know, someone would say, "Well, who's to say they would have stopped them anyways?" Well, it's different when you're starting at the 35-40 and when you're starting at the two, right? So, I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to say, "Well, look what the Vikings offense did. They they were just going to drive down score anyways." Well, I mean, it's harder to do that when you're backed up, you know, in into your own end zone. So, um. I, I, you know, that's one decision. I know we'll get to it. There was a fourth and four, I think, later, later in the, like, you know, in the first half, where that one I was really strongly like, dude, just go for it. But, um, but this one I wasn't really, you know, strongly either way. But I still would think I would have punted. I mean, Maher was kicking well um, in warmups. Not that that, I mean, whatever. Uh, that's you know definitely not game situation, but still, I mean, he was making all his kicks, long kicks, short, both hash marks. I mean, it was. He looked pretty good. And then the fact that, you know, it was inside, even though the roof was open, I think they feel strongly he can make it from there. I guess the only problem I had with it and what kind of was strange to me about it is, I, I don't know, I think this Cowboys team has a pretty good offense. I, last time I checked, they were leading the league in yards per game and were in the top five in points per game. And I was like, well, I mean, do you, you do that because you think it's going to be like a really low scoring game. I, I feel like that, like we all, oh, we got to take any points we can possibly get where, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't think that that was going to be the make or break thing. Um, and then the other part of it, because you can make the argument too, that like, well, okay, so even if they just punt it there, maybe they pin them deep, whatnot. But like the way that the Vikings were moving the ball early on, who knows if they just wouldn't have went the extra few yards and they still would have, you know, started out 14 nothing anyway. So yeah, you can second guess it or whatever, but uh, <laughs> we'll say that, sure. thing, that thing looks super ugly coming off his foot right from the get. And I don't think punt is the answer there. Um, and like again, I don't. I'm not sure if there is a right or wrong answer. I think early in the game, I would probably be more apt to go for it. Um, if you look at it, if I don't get it, well, if I don't get it going for it, and I don't get it on a field goal, we're still talking about the Vikings getting good field position. I might as well try to go get more points out of it, right? Like if we're just weighing the two options, if we if we're going to rule punt out of it, like if I don't get it on the field goal or I don't get it on the on going for it, well, either way, the Vikings get great field position. I'd rather take my chance at getting the most points out of it and go for it. I think that's the analytical play. I think where it kind of evens out is that Maher has been good from from deep, uh, which is kind of strange, but he's been really good from deep. So uh, I, I I feel like he's at his best from he's probably his best from fifty five to eighty. Well, Sorry, going. I feel better from there than I did thirty seven. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's no doubt about it. So. But the analytics would probably tell you that go for it is, is the thing to do right there. I think you make a good point about the offense. You believe in your team? Let's go. So Vikings get the ball. Uh, it was, 12-yard KT, pass it was the get. ugliest kick I've ever seen, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there. It wasn't even oh, yeah. in the ballpark oh, yeah. of being close. <laughs> it was the sorry. worst miss he's had. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I mean, need, thought that needed to be emphasized a little bit. No, I mean he he probably missed the 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 left upright by twenty five yards, like legitimately, oh, <laughs> like legitimately, yep. yeah, to the corner of the end zone. The ball went into the tunnel. Um, no, so <laughs> the, the, the Vikings get the ball, twelve yard pass to Cook. 
Then a 27-yard pass to Cook with a face mask tacked on. Madison runs for nine, and then Kyle Rudolph, the one-handed touchdown. For what he lacks in athleticism, he uh, gains in style right there. What a catch by Kyle Rudolph, and it's 7-0 Vikings early. And oh no, we cannot get off to a good start. Yeah, I, early on though, I just I thought Dalvin Cook looked sharp, even in the runs where he wasn't really getting a lot. And then the fact that this isn't the only game where they've had some problems with the screen passes. And he's a guy that when he was at Florida State, that was another way that they would get him involved because he's a guy that if you just get him in space, it doesn't matter if he's playing the best college talent or he's playing the best NFL talent, he's going to make some moves. Um, you know, he is one of his biggest problems. He's dealt with some injuries, some knee injuries and stuff like that. But there's no question that he's got like the it factor. I mean, he's he's got special ability. Uh, and it was kind of like one of those things where I know that the Cowboys have done pretty well, you know, with Alvin Kamara. Um and, you know, Saquon Barkley is, you know, they've they've kind of kept him in check a little bit. And there's been a big run here or there, but it was like, I don't know, I just didn't have a good feeling early on. I just felt like that they were just going to give him a ton of chances. And unless they weren't on their, you know, tackling some of their best that they have all season, that they were going to have problems. And, I mean, he's going to make a lot of people miss, but I, I certainly think that you can point to the tackling by the Cowboys in this game. Just it wasn't up to what it needed to be for them to contain a back like that. Absolutely. And also, I think that, you know, that that first that first drive you're talking about, especially that I think it was that first screen pass they threw Sean Lee, um, you know, he whiffed on the tackle and then the touchdown was also Sean Lee was on coverage, which, you know, not not to pick on the guy, but last week he had a really good game. It it did not start out well uh, for Sean Lee, though. And there was a um, a tweet from our buddy Jake Kemp, who does a lot of stuff on the athletic, also going to cover the Mavs. Uh, but he had a stat from Sports Info Solutions that was saying the Cowboys, coming into to last night's game, had given up the most catches and yards on running back screens in the NFL. And I know maybe not on that first drive necessarily was their screens. They're just like dumping it off. But that's a point I was starting to think about is, yeah, they they actually bottled up Kamara pretty good in my opinion. They bottled up Wavion Bell for the most part. Uh, and really against the run, they stopped Dalvin Cook Kind of. You know, Madison got some carries that drove the yards per carry up, but if you look at Dalvin Cook's carries, by the end of the night, 26 carries for 97 yards, you know, under four yards a carry, I think you'd take that. As a whole, I think you would take that. But there was just a couple bursty plays, one for 23 yards. That was his longest run of the night. And when you have, you know, some bursty plays like that, it makes you go, okay, well, there's bigger issues here. I think you take that if your running back is in the neighborhood of it being in that too but when you're running yeah. back isn't in that neighborhood 96 feels like a lot it feels like it's twice as much as what your running back did yeah for the hall of the entire night 4.3 yards a carry for minnesota cowboys 2.3 yards per carry and that was a that was a bit of a problem now it's seven nothing uh cowboys again can't really get anything going they get a first down to cooper and then they on third and six, they try to get it to Witten. They have to punt. They were from the Minnesota 48 this time. So, you know, again, <laughs> again, kind of in that go-for-it territory maybe, but I did not disagree with the punt there. I know Bob wrote a piece this morning that said that he did disagree with that punt on uh, the second drive. I, I just wasn't willing to give Minnesota the ball back at the 50 if you weren't able to get a first down. And I also hadn't given up on the defense the entire game yet. They punted it. Minnesota has the ball at the 10. So you just roll out 65-yard field goal attempt. 
Yeah, I think we should rule okay. that out. Okay. I think we, after the 57 yard miss yes. by 20 yards, I think we should probably rule those out for All a while too, unless down. it's the okay. end of <laughs> end of the half or end of a end of a game. I think we should rule out anything that's 55 plus. Let's just go for it. <laughs> I think that's what we need to do. Now the Vikings get the ball. They do a great – both teams offensively great on third down. Defensively, both teams poor on third down last night. Kind of the story – or one of the stories of the game. Um, they got it to Diggs. Then they got Treadwell with the first down. Then they threw it back to Cook for 29 yards. Let's add 15 on a roughing the passer right there. I believe that was Robert Quinn. And then they had a third and one where they pitched it to Cook. He got a first down inside the five. Cowboys hold him again, third and goal. And they go play action again, hit Kyle Rudolph in the end zone again for his second touchdown of the night. Jordan Lewis looked to be on him in coverage and was pretty close, but uh, just couldn't make the play. And it's 14 nothing Minnesota. That's pretty much the end of the first quarter. And at that point, uh, at you're that really point, feeling like this is Green Bay all over. Maybe just because it was in that stadium, but it just really felt like, oh, geez. So this is what they're doing? Like, this is going to be another one of these games? Like, I don't know. And, and then thinking of the Green Bay thing, too, it was just because of the fact that they didn't have Devontae Adams. This offense doesn't have Adam Thielen, and they're already putting up 14. And then just the you look at the analytics and stats and things. Cowboys down 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. I don't know exactly what the stats are on that, but I'm sure it's not great. No, it's it can't be good. And, I, and you know, reading your article today, John, you had the Zeke quote from that. I'm going to read that to you just, just for everyone here, but we also want you to go read John's article. Zeke said, if we eliminate these slow starts, who knows where we'd be? We just need to come out ready to play, come out ready to go, come out, I don't know, I guess maybe act like we're behind. I don't know. Um, guys, we've all known that that game started at 720 last night. I don't think that was some like crazy thing. I don't know why this is an issue, but I do know who should be responsible for that. And I, the players will always have some sort of responsibility in everything. No matter what, slow starts, penalties, turnovers, game management, play calling, the players still have a certain responsibility and all that. It's on the players. We all know that. But let's look above that for a second. Is this a Garrett thing now? Is this something we can add to Garrett's list of weaknesses? This team's a slow starting team and what was supposed to be their contending year, their best roster, maybe since he's even had the freaking team, and they're a slow starting team? Why? Yeah. Why is that happening? You know, I think I, I think you know. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of theories you could throw out there. One thing though that I will say is, um, when it comes to the offense, uh, after after the locker room time was o- over yesterday, uh, I went outside and, and and caught up with Amari Cooper a little bit, uh, uh, just about about these slow starts. And and you know, I, and I asked him, I was like, well, what what do you how do you feel about the scripted plays and how many plays are scripted and things like that because. That that's a thing, you know. They come in with a script of how many plays, and he's like, "Look, ten play around ten plays are scripted." Um, but he says not all the time. But he he was like, "At least six. And he was like, "At least our first six plays are scripted, and our third downs are scripted for the for the first quarter." And so I was like, "All right." So I mean, how often do you go off script? He was like, "We don't." So I think the slow starts have a lot to do with uh with the preparation during the week because. And and the unwillingness to change because when things are thrown out there, the Cowboys are still like I, I know it's not a lot because they probably got through their script within the first drive or two or whatever. It's not like they got that much better in, in later in the first quarter after they were done with that part. But I do think that like you know, uh, 
I understand and and trust me, like John, KT, you guys know, like every team has a script. Like this isn't something like you know to yeah. bash the Cowboys on, but it's. I don't think that if like you know if you're struggling with it, I, like I'm pretty sure other teams would just kind of throw it out the window and be like, all right, let's let's try something new. And I just don't think the Cowboys are willing to do that. I also think now, it's this bigger is... than just starting games, though. I think it's and and maybe it's just because of covering this team. This whole backs against the wall thing has been beaten into my head, but it's also could be exactly what happens with this season to where, yeah, they might play their best ball down the stretch because their backs will be against the wall because it not only is a slow start to games, it's been a slow start to this season. They should have at least two more wins than they do right now. And so they're going to put themselves in a position where I just feel like it's like last year where it's like, you know, you start out three and four, you get Amari, and then you still even lose that first game with Amari. And then it's like you're sitting there at three and five and it's like, Okay, backs against the goal. Well, you know, we got to turn this up. And then so they go on and win whatever the next five in a row and, and, you know, seven of their last eight or whatever it was to f- just get into the playoffs. And I just feel like that they kind of have that in them that they're kind of going to try and do that same thing this year. And maybe they do. Maybe they do go on this run where they win five of their last seven and, you know, they win the NFC East and they're peaking at the right time going. But it's just such a dangerous game to play. Give me a second to be unfair and reckless. Just a second. Let's okay, go. Spend a lot of time on this. Guy goes to the NFL. He's a backup quarterback. Okay. His back's against the wall, right? His back's always been against the wall. We're going to do the right things, though, as the backup quarterback, though. We're going to try to do prepare day in and day out, be the best versions of ourselves. Uh, You know, once we get in there, we're going to do things the way that we know how to do this. We're going to run this offensive system the way we know how to do this. And this, I'm sitting here looking at the talent on this entire offense. Okay. They now have the weapons to flaunt it. They now have the weapons to cut out that back-against-the-wall BS and say, no, we're a good offense. We're going to go for it on third and six on the other team's 40. Because guess what? On fourth and six on the other team's 40. Because we are the best offense in the league, or one of the best offenses in the league. Let's go. The conservative nature has leaked throughout the organization. It is an organizational thing now because of him. The identity of the team. That leaks to Dak. That leaks to Kellen. That leaks to Zeke. It leaks to all those guys. I don't care what anyone says. That is a legit thing that happens. Okay. And he is, his DNA is all over this football team. And that's where I go, oh, come on. This is not, they don't have to play that way. They don't have to be that way. They don't have to be backs against the wall, guys. No one's doubting you anymore. You're a top five offense. You honestly had a top 10 defense for the most part. There we go. That back against the wall crap, I'm done with it. Now, hey. I'm now done I'm, with it. Now I'm. Now you're getting – I wanted to add that in there as well, is that, you know, 2014 Cowboys, you got Tony Romo under center, and your defense is, you know, you're rolling out with a – your best defender is Rolando McClain. Um, you have your best defensive lineman is Jeremy Mincy. Okay, I get the late game stuff where you're like, hey, I don't want to run out any clock, right? Or, or we don't want to leave them with any clock because, hey, let's be honest, guys. This defense really isn't that good. We're kind of got a patchwork group. We're happy just that we can even get as far as we've gone. Oh, that's that's gone though. You went out and you and you got Robert Quinn. You got Michael Bennett. You know, you went out there and you drafted Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh. Like this defense ain't that defense then that that you know where Tony had to kind of carry the team on his back with like Murray controlling the clock and having the you know the franchise's highest you know season and. Uh, rushing and receiving for a running back. Like, you don't need that now. Like, this defense, there's significant investments over there as well. So it's like, this team's always been offense first, but at the same time, like, especially late in the game, and I'm sitting there, I'm just like, okay, well, then you score this touchdown. And if they they can go back down there and and answer in a minute and something, 
well then so be it. Then I guess then you just you guys didn't deserve to win, but at least give yourself that chance because this is the defense you've been trying to put together really since that 2014 team to kind of get back up to the level of where, hey, we're a complete team. But the way that that game was coached late, and I know we'll get into that, but it certainly felt like it was 2014 over again where it's like there just isn't enough trust in the defense. You know, and this is uh, what we're probably going to end up doing is as we go through the game, we'll end up jumping ahead with some of our thoughts that we've got saved up for what happens at the end of the fourth quarter. But it's 14 nothing now, and the Cowboys get the ball. Third and six, hits Gallup over the middle for 25. Then there's the big third and four play, which was almost picked off by Mike Hughes. Um, and then you have down 14 nothing, fourth and four, and you're on the Minnesota 40. And this is where I ripped my hair out. That That's, the, that's what I was referring to at the beginning. Did he punts? What are we doing? What are we doing? Are we not trying to win? What is what's the point? Like what's the point of being, even being there? I, 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 this is where they have an analytics department. This is what kills me. They have an analytics department. Like how is this message not getting relayed to him? Like, hey man, you should go for it. Or how is there not any trust in your quarterback at this point? Like why why would you even consider punting it down fourteen nothing? Why don't you coach like your your job's on the line? What are we doing, man? I, that one got me. Yeah, that one was when I was like, you know what? I could turn off the game right now because I don't need to see anymore. You're going to see it, though, going forward because now that their backs will be more – because it's still technically they'll say they control their own destiny and their backs aren't technically against the wall right now. But they'll say it more and, for, more, and more as they go forward because it, they are going to be forced to one of the – like I said, like almost win like five of your last up. So because of that – I think that they'll be more aggressive, but that feeds in right into your what your point is. It's like, why does it take to be in that situation to play like that? It's a conflicting BS message, though. Like, I'm down 14 nothing, and I'm punting on 4th and 4 in their territory at the 40. It's not at midfield, like the 48, like that second punt was. You're at the 40, man. Like, that. that is... That like, This is, again, It's it, it is... There's an arrogance about this man, and I'm not being personal... I think there's a lot of people, a lot of coaches in the league, especially guys who have played the game, who have an arrogance about them sometimes when it comes to these things. If you went and showed him the analytics, no matter what stat you want it to be, I think he would look at it. I think he'd take it in, and I think he would disagree with it. I think he would say, that's fine, but I disagree with it. And if that's unfair, I'm sorry, okay? But this team should be in a better position to win games. And they're not getting any help from him. And it's not just, I mean, maybe part of it is because he's been here for a decade. and He's uh, kind of wore out his welcome to, to, to some extent for a lot of the fan base, including myself. He's wore out his welcome. But that, down 14 to nothing, if our back's against the wall, then aren't we going to come out fighting? No, let's just go ahead and roll over and punt it to him. You're lucky your defense got you out of that next drive. Robert Quinn had a huge sack on third and five. They got you the ball back, and the Cowboys were able to change the course of the game. But, man, this game should have never been this close. Dak and, I mean, really the wide receivers did such a great job of keeping them in this game because, man, Garrett or Kellen, if we want to put Kellen in here too, we can, whatever, put them in so many situations on third and long where you need to go bail us out one more time, Dak, because it's quite clear the Vikings have a great front seven and we're not really ready to go get yards on the ground tonight, but we're going to try to do it anyway, so have a good third and 12. 
I don't know how many times that had to happen last night before you would realize, would you stop putting the offense in this position? Sorry, guys. I'm just, got, just getting wild there. Cowboys get the ball back, though. Third and 12. Dak hits Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper keeps his feet in on the sideline. That was awesome. Now, how many times he's going to do that? Then the Tavon end around, which was great. And that created second and three on the 23. Gallup on the crosser for an easy touchdown, 14 to seven. Now, that's the offense I'm talking about right there. Now, stop bogging it down with a lot of Zeke runs. No offense. I know we paid the guy, but Minnesota's got a good front seven and 14 to seven. That was a really good drive by the Cowboys, and they had to have it. And I want to add that Robert Quinn sack to the beginning of it because that was huge as well. Well, and it was the only one that they got. I mean, credit to Kirk Cousins and their offensive game plan for getting the ball out and, you know, running, having so much success in that screen game. But there were just, there, you know, these last couple of games against the Giants and against the Eagles, you you know, you saw the turnovers, you saw the, you know, pressures, the sacks. And again, to have Michael Bennett and Quinn and Malik Collins and Demarcus Lawrence, like, I don't know, like, I don't feel like, when you're playing a pocket passer, I don't feel like any of these games, they should be under three or four sacks minimum. And another game, no turnovers, only one sack. Yeah, and also, I mean, the, the, to their credit, they did get some quarterback pressures. I do think Demarcus Lawrence was back there um, a little bit. But l- like you said, especially, you know, we talked to Demarcus Lawrence, uh, I, I think it was on Friday, right, uh, where, where he talked. And uh, and he, and he we asked him, where it was like, look, you talk about how much you – uh, you like to hit Eli. You've actually sacked Kirk Cousins more than you sacked Eli Manning, and uh, and so it was like you know he he was he was trying to keep it pretty tame and things like that. He wasn't trying to go, but at the same time, what he said was you know where he's going to be. He's not going to roll out. He's not going to get out of the pocket. So it's a little it, it should be in theory a little easier to get to him. But you know that that wasn't the case and. I think there is some credit to Kirk Cousins, um, but also it all goes back to those slow starts because once you start doing that, you can't tee off. You can't try to get to the quarterback. You ha- there's a lot of different things that you have to start considering. And so I think that all plays into it. I think if you didn't have a, if you didn't get off, if you didn't fall behind 14, nothing, Kirk Cousins would be sacked more than one time. And then they get another stop on the next drive, which was it was huge. And, and you know, by the way, so I don't want to uh, add on to that. They another thing that I think Minnesota should get a little credit for. They had, were trying to get a lot of rollouts, and they weren't terribly effective with it. You know, aside from the few, you know, the a couple, the Kyle Rudolph touchdown, I think will stand out. They didn't have a lot of success on rollouts. At least it didn't seem that way. I have to see what the numbers are. You know, once that's all calculated and all that, how they did on rollouts. But they did try to move the pocket and get him going a little bit on some of those design plays with play action. But that's kind of what they tried to do anyways most of the time. I know in that Kansas City game, they kind of stayed, were pretty static and staying in the pocket. But, you know, Kansas City wasn't biting on any play action stuff because they were stopping the run just fine that week. Um, so 14-7, Gallup in on the touchdown. Then uh, the Cowboys get the ball back after another stop. They go uh, first down to Cooper, then on a third and 12 – uh, Gallup, and this is a play where Dak was scrambling to his right, throwing all the way across his body. I thought it was one of the better throws of the night that he had. And a catch for Gallup. And then they uh, two runs, and that creates a third and three. And then they hit Jarwin right there for a first down. And then Father John Mashota wins the award for prediction of the week. As here comes the Randall Cobb end-around pass. You called it, sir. Did you know something? 
How did you know that was coming? Because well, you called that last week. So, you know, we're not supposed to like tweet or report on things that we see during practice. And so um, I, I had seen it in practice, but then the other thing is those, but I've seen it in like three or four other practices before games. So I didn't really think that it was going to happen just because I've seen them do it during like the week. And um, I mean, I just, you you are like, well, okay, well, what game are we going to finally see this in? Um, and it's kind of funny because I was just like, I didn't think, it, I didn't think it was going to happen in this game, but I was like, let's just throw it out there. It's like, if you're going to keep doing this in practice, why don't you try and do it one time in a game finally? And <laughs> unfortunately it didn't have success because it would have been great. Cause then maybe they would do it more often, but, um, I don't know. I just, it didn't look like there was a lot there, you know, and, and the stuff I've seen in practice, it's, it really hasn't been stuffed down the field like that. It's been like some shorter type throws yeah. and things like that. I think that he just did that because it was like, well, I have the ball here. There's really nowhere to run. I'll just throw it away type thing like that. But no, there were shades of the, you know, Des throwing back to Witten for sure. Same end zone too, right? Yeah. Same end zone, but man, there was nothing there at all. <laughs> it was like, okay. I, I, he has to do a better job of throwing that out too because, I mean, that was way too close to the field of play. Uh, try to get that out a little bit more. Then they ran it on second down, third and seven coming up. All right. I also hate the second and 10 run play, by the way, uh, third and seven. And then they get a free play because Minnesota jumps and Dak throws a rainbow up and Randall Cobb goes and makes the play. And I was a really incredible catch by Cobb. Good job of tracking the ball. And, you know, Dak kind of put it in the only place Cobb could catch it right there. And it's 14-14, and, you know, just like just like that. Just to get a couple stops, and then we're back at square one. I really thought Dak was starting to get in a rhythm there where, you know, I didn't notice it necessarily early on. But I think just generally with anyone, I mean, when you're conv- converting third and 12s, third and 14s, um, you know, and then the other thing, too, is that it's almost like, it's almost like a, a basketball shooter if you have, like, a friendly rim. Like, you get a couple of bounces to go, and then all of a sudden you really get hot. And I think there were a couple of throws there, whether it be to, you know, the Cooper one on, on the first toe tap, the Cobb touchdown where it's like, oh, man, my guys are making these kind of plays. Like, you really start feeling confident. And I just felt from that point on, I mean, it was Dak's game. And then it's 14-14. Vikings get the ball right before the half. Um they get the uh, first down to Cook, and then they they had a third and three with 41 seconds left. And at the time, the Cowboys had all their timeouts left. So I was sitting there going, hey, get a stop right here. But then they throw it to Stephon Diggs, who made an incredible catch on a deep ball. I mean, that was a huge play because if that, if that ball is not caught, then the Cowboys have three timeouts and have a chance to get the ball back and possibly go get some points. Um, they end up uh, settling for a Dan Bailey field goal to end the half. 17 to 14 Minnesota at halftime. Vikings get the ball out of the second half. They easily move it down the field. This was kind of a demoralizing drive because you're going in going, all right, we know Dalvin Cook has kind of been a been a pain. Um, you know, and the Vikings ended up going down the I'm trying to see yeah, what I have on the on the yards here. I mean, on the yard how long this drive was. This drive was, was a forever. 12 play. 56-yard drive, uh, and it took up – you know, it only took up 522, but it felt like more than that. I mean, they really held the ball for a long time right there and end up getting three. There's a good play on third down by Xavier Woods and Leighton Vander Esch. They were trying to get uh, Stephon Diggs kind of on the dig route, kind of on the, the square in route, and uh, Vander Esch had kind of 
turned his back even to, to Cousins, but he was just enough in the way to kind of make a play and make it tough on Stephon Diggs. It was still a very catchable ball, uh, but it's pretty good coverage by Van Der Esch and Xavier Woods on that play to prevent a touchdown. And that made it 20-14 to 14 Vikings. That stop is where I thought, okay, we're going to win the game now. Because of what you just said, John, it looked like Dak had gotten in a rhythm. And when, when they got that play to prevent Dix from getting in the end zone right there, and it was still a you know one-score game, that's probably where my confidence was at its highest throughout the entire night. Yeah, I would say my confidence probably – my confidence for a Cowboys win probably came – a little bit later than that. I, maybe it was on this drive when they when they scored the touchdown to take the lead. Um, I kind of was like every like especially in the building, the, the momentum felt like it was all you know that they had finally come back from digging themselves in this hole, and they're just going to kind of pull away from here. And then, obviously, unfortunately, uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, the uh, you know the Vikings did what I didn't think they would do and come back right back down and answer. But no, the way that this drive ended and they got the lead back. I certainly had the feeling that, yeah, they were going to kind of pull away, not not blow them out or anything, but, you know, they were going to – I felt pretty confident they were going to win the game. I, I don't know if I, if, yeah, if I ever – I, I don't know that I, – I don't mean to be the cynical one. I don't know if I really had that moment this game just because it always <laughs> felt like – it always felt like the Vikings were just, just like – it felt it never felt like the game really got away from them even when you know the cowboys started rolling off uh some points and stuff it just felt like it felt like vikings had a lot of near misses and things like that to me um and it, in some ways it felt kind of like you know when uh the cowboys start letting things slip away where it's like it's working there's no re- it, you know go back to the giants game it's like they were completing wide open passes all this stuff and it's like why are you not pulling away even further that's kind of how I felt about the Vikings almost throughout the whole night, to be honest with you. So it's 2014. Cowboys have the ball. We're here. We are in the middle of the third quarter. They go play action on first and 10. Oh, my goodness. And throw it to Zeke for 12 yards. Then Witten for nine. Get a little unnecessary roughness right there. That'll add 15 to it. Then Dak hit Cooper on the rollout off play action for another first down. And they're in the zone now. And you could really start to feel it with Dak. Then they... Rush to the line to pre- prevent a challenge um, on a on a catch right there, and they hand it off to, to Zeke, and he, Zeke only got two yards. Now that play that they were rushing to the line on, I believe that was a play to, uh, yeah, it was a play to Cooper, um, where it looked like Cooper might not have got his feet in, or no, it looks like Cooper. I'm trying to think of what happened. I'm, I'm kind of losing my my train of thought here. Do y'all know what I'm talking about right here? Um, so Is basically, it the, they, the really good Dak pass to the right sideline. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and it yeah. looked like it looked like ran a throwaway. The line. Yeah, it looked like a throwaway, and Cooper somehow caught it, and they ran to the line real quick and snapped it real quick and just handed it off up the middle, which created a second and eight. And then they uh, set up a third and eight, and then Dak hit Cobb again for a first down. And then he hits Amari Cooper again on the sideline, keeping his feet in the end zone. Just an incredible play. Uh, Amari Cooper last night is, John, once again, something you talked about in the preview podcast is, uh, you know, Amari Cooper kind of plays some of his best games what he's kind of nicked up a little bit. And talk to, talking about that all the way back to Alabama, man, that sure was the case last night. Amari Cooper was incredible last night. So – the other thing that stood out to me about him, that's not nothing new, but it just 
plays like that, plays like that end of the Eagles game last year with the game winner. Like he does some stuff where it's not only just like how impressive the play is, it's like how he acts after it too. Like it says Absolutely. so much about him. Like like I mean that toe tap like that on that on that sideline, like and he just got up like yeah, this is just what I do, guys. It's not that big of a deal. Everyone calm down now. Like, there's going to be a lot more of these. Like, just let's go back to the sideline and let's keep playing. You know, whereas, like, and I hate to be that guy that just keeps saying this over and over again, but it really, you just watch these other games every Sunday and you see so many receivers make, like, a basic catch and it's, like, this huge celebration in the end zone. You're like, yeah, you're still down 14. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, he just is, he's just a rare dude. He's just a, a different kind of dude. And then even after the game, just the way he talks about, what he had just done or where he's at in his career. And he's just so nonchalant about it. Like, I don't know. I think it speaks a little bit too to like, you know, all of us on this podcast, we obviously are, are doing this because we enjoy watching football and it's highly entertaining and, and it's impressive what these like guys can do. And to Amari Cooper, I don't think that he's really that impressed by anything that he does. I think he just feels like, yeah, no, it's just this, this is not that hard, guys. Like, I just get my feet down and it's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah. well, do you work on that in practice? No, I just, no. I mean, I saw where the ball was and I figured, well, if I don't have my feet in, in bounds, then even if I catch it, it's going to be incomplete. So I better get my feet down. I'm just like, man, it's he's not impressed by anything he does. Yeah, and, and John, there, there's a few things out of what you just said that I kind of want to piggyback on. First of all, something you can appreciate uh, more than I, I think anybody. I, I think there's some element of just like Barry Sanders to him where, you know, Barry would just run in for a touchdown and just flip the ball to the ref after like making six guys miss or something like that. And and I think there's some sort of that element to Amari as far as like how he reacts to those plays. Uh, but But the other thing also... Um, I asked him after the game, I was like, you know, you, you make, so. I mean, he had three toe tap catches just in that game alone, but he's done that throughout the season and throughout his career. But he did say that he, he did say that, uh, that, that one in the end zone was probably his number one. And, and so he, he did acknowledge that much, but you know, he lets other people, he lets his play do the talking and then other people like Jason Witten had some really strong words about Amari Cooper after the game. He bas- I mean, he called him unguardable. And uh, and uh, Jason Witten talked before Amari did, so then somebody asked Amari, uh, you know, Witten just called you unguardable. Do you agree with that? And he was like, and he just smiled and said, yeah. So, like, you know, he, he, he understands what he's doing. He knows how good he is, but he also just, like, you know, acts like he's been there before, and I think it's really cool to see all that come together. The other thing was with him too is he has like this extra gear. There was a play in the first half where Dak threw the ball away. It was uh, at the uh, Viking sideline, and uh, like when the ball was up in the air, I think there was just some miscommunication with him with Amari and Dak, and uh, the way he just like hit this next gear to like separate from the defensive back, like he was going back in upfield. I was just kind of like, what the hell was that? Like I was just I don't know, which is crazy because he doesn't like. It's like he has all this all these different talents. But he doesn't like really show him off until he like absolutely has to. And then the other thing is that like when you're watching a game, you know, the field is everything's so spread out. But I just feel like you almost should just have a camera just on him because like even when he doesn't get the ball, like he really it's like almost like he's always open. And, you know, he'll say stuff after the game about how, like, you know, I had to do those toe taps like that because, you know, um, that's the only way, you know, like Dak had to put that ball there. He couldn't put it anywhere else. And it's like you watch some of those plays over again, like, no, I mean, he didn't have to put it that far out there. I mean, like yeah. the end zone one, that's like a good four or five yards out of bounds. Like it was like, 
Um, and then the, the defender who had coverage on him had like, you know, he was on the inside of him, but I mean, there still was a little window there. It didn't need to be that wide, but like when you have Amari Cooper, I mean, that's why I'm saying like Dak had to be feeling so good watching these plays, you know, Gallup made a nice one, some, you know, the Cobbs catch, like he had to be feeling like almost anything I put out there right now, these guys are catching and, you know, obviously we'll get into it. That's, I just don't know why you would take the ball out of his hand throwing late in the game like that, but we'll get in that in a little bit. Well, now it's 20, uh, 21-20. Vikings have it, third and six. And they go ahead and end up with another pretty long drive. Uh, by the standards of the the full length of that drive, I believe it was a 13-play drive for 75 yards and taking seven minutes off the clock, kind of really ending the rest of the third quarter right there. Um, they end up getting the touchdown. Now, this gets pretty wild because – they stopped the Vikings to the point. There was a big run to, uh, to Madison from uh, Boise State, and he runs down to the one. It was initially called a touchdown. They review it. And then first and goal a run, second and goal a run, third and goal a run. They get stops. Fourth and goal, and the Vikings toss it to Dalvin Cook over the right side, and he gets in, and that gives the Vikings the lead. Then they get the two-point conversion to make it 28 to 21. The Cowboys were so close to getting out of that without giving up points, but just again, Dalvin Cook kind of kind of a thorn in their side all night long in so many different ways. Yeah, and if they don't get that two-point conversion, then at the end of the game you, you know, you technically don't have to go for a touchdown. Oh yeah, you know that that that's a good play. You know, maybe you maybe your maybe, you know, Minnesota manages the game a little differently. Um and it was another Kyle Rudolph thing. Do we have an issue covering tight ends right now? Kyle Rudolph was Clutch all night long. I mean, KT, he's just a good player, and he has been for a long time. Okay. So you just that's what you just tip your cap and move on to the next guy. Yeah, we don't worry about these uh, lingering no. problems, right? Dalvin Cook's a good uh, runner and has been for for a few years now. I remember we liked him back at Florida State. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, yeah, no, we don't have to do this. Could have sworn they had the best or highest paid running back in the league on their team, but. <laughs> Well, it's not a consideration. Whole different thing there. Um, Zeke must have not been hungry last night. No, there, there, look, there was not a lot. I mean, their longest run of the night last night was six yards, and there was never a lot of room to run. And I know, like, we've championed this offensive line for a long time. I mean, I really do give Minnesota's front seven credit. That is the strength of their team, that front seven. All right, K- KT, so, I, I, I'm with you, but also like there has to be some time where Zeke starts starts winning these one on one matchups. Especially like I'm not even just talking running the ball. There was a couple of plays where Dak threw it out to him in the flat, and you you got to you got to if you're Zeke, if you're the highest paid running back, the best running back in the NFL, whatever. You got to be able to make a corner miss. Got to be able to make a safety miss. I understand, yeah. like, you know, up the middle. You're right. The front seven is your strength, which, by the way, they didn't have Joseph in there. But yes, it's still the strength. Um, but when you're getting outside, man, like, w- one person making one guy miss can make such a big difference. And it just doesn't happen with Zeke. And, you know, I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. And, and at that time, Gary Brown said, you know what? Zeke is still getting back into shape camp. Look, it's nine weeks into the season, man. Like that, like not being in training camp is not an excuse anymore. I thought we no. saw them turning the corner last game, and so that's why this one kind of stood out yeah. to me too. Is because the way he was running last game made me think, okay, well, now everything—not just the being in shape, 
thing because I don't know that that's the problem, but the clicking with the offensive line and not being, you know, being limited in what you can do in practice because you're obviously not hitting. And I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, the Eagles generally pretty good run defense. So if he was able to do that against them, maybe the things are starting to go downhill now and they're starting to, uh, you know, click for them in, in the running game. And so, as you mentioned, not having Linval Joseph on top of that, like, and then just, I mean, again, I didn't get to see all the, all 22, but I've seen some clips out there and just, it's not like they were just stuff in the box with like eight, nine guys, you know, you've got to win some of those matchups. So I, I agree with you. There's, you know, it just comes to a point where you got to either plow through a guy, make a guy miss, you know, turn some of those six yard carries into maybe 10, you know, as much as Jason Garrett wants to talk about, you know, falling forward and turning a two yard gain into a three or whatever. Yeah. They, there had just had to be some big plays there in the running game that even, even against good defenses, you still have to get on, on every, every Sunday, there has to be a few plays where, you know, your guys just out execute those guys and you know, those plays should happen. And there were none of them in the game last night. It seems incredibly vanilla sometimes too, though. And it's not every week. And that's, I think another thing that's kind of frustrating is we can't really get a consistent buildup going for this team. Well, a lot of runs just kind of up the middle. Like you never saw like a toss to Zeke or trying to get him outside and get him in space a little bit. You know, where's the where's the screen pass for this team? You know, because you know they were the Vikings play a very similar style of defense. They are trying to get up the field like the Cowboys are. You know, maybe use the string a screen pass against them a little bit. We've seen you execute that over the years. You just don't do it very much. You know, it's just kind of a lot of you know right up the middle A and B gap type runs for Zeke, and I think it's hard to get loose sometimes if that area of the field is not really. Uh, going, you're not winning those battles for whatever reason, and you know maybe we can have the conversation, maybe not today, but on another day, is like is Connor Williams and Travis Frederick. You know, has Connor Williams taken a step? Is Travis okay? You know, we can talk about all that stuff. You know, maybe later on down the road, but th- no, there's all, all there's ways to legitimate. get. Yeah, I, I think so. I think yeah, it no, is. all that's I'm, legitimate. I will. I'll just say one other thing. Speaking of the running game, can I get one Dak run? Just one. Like, I don't yeah. understand where that is, like, especially when we're going to get into that. You know, we, we want to keep the clock running late in the game. That I thought you're, the quarterback can run once, right? It was only the fourth I, game in his career, 57 career games. It's only the fourth time he didn't run in a game. The other three of the other ones were two were losses. But I was just like, it, I didn't understand where there's, can we get one design deck run in there? So it's 28-21. And I like where you're going, John. And we're going to get there, man, because – this is this is kind of pretty frustrating. The Cowboys go down the field, put together a pretty good drive. 13 plays, 70 yards. They take five minutes off the clock. They have to settle for a field goal, though, to make it 28-24. They had first and six. They ran it Zeke to the left. First, I said first and six. First and goal from the six uh, for a yard. Second goal from the five. Dak incomplete. Kind of had to throw it away. And then third and five, he was looking for Witten over the middle. Couldn't hit him. And they just couldn't get in from inside the 10-yard line right there. Have to settle for a field goal. That makes it 28-24. That was a pretty big play in the game. But, it, I, I mean, I guess a pretty good series of plays in the game. I think it kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that the Cowboys ended up finding a way to get a stop, take over from their own six-yard line with about uh, probably like four minutes left. Yeah, 4.34 left in the game. They're on their own six, trailing 28-24. Hits Cobb for 20 yards. Uh, hits Cooper for 10. Then he hits Gallup for 13. Then he hits Cooper for 20. Okay, and then we go Zeke for four on a run. 
Witten for eight, two-minute warning. Now, here is where we start talking about the clock. Did they say that? Is that something that Garrett said, or did they say they were trying to run clock? Dak oh, yeah, did. 100%. Yeah, and Dak did. Okay. If you're trying I, to do they that, didn't then, need to say that. That's Jason Garrett all day long. I, yep. I could have told you the, that was about to happen. That's what Garrett does in those situations. Well, here's my issue with that, because this tells me that they're not all on the same page and no, and not everyone's agreeing on what the hell's going on. And again, game management should be a requirement for head coaches, in my opinion. Game and clock management, I think it all kind of comes together. And he has been a, I would say, a lower third coach in that in that regard over the years. The the play that this frustrates me that that all that was said. I'm trying to run clock because after a four yard run to Zeke, so they've got second and six, and there's about two twenty on the clock. They run up to the line and run another play and throw it to Witten, and Witten gets that first yard. They could have just waited to the two minute warning. Okay, play stops. Then you have your second down. But they were rushing to get a play in before the two minute warning. So that's to me, point. that's a no, that's sure. a conflicting that's message inside there internally. And and, no. and maybe you know, and maybe Dak and Jason have to go say what they have to say to the media. You know, you know, maybe they they all know full well what what their plan was, and and they're telling everyone it was something different. But well, I didn't understand why of, they were rushing. Yeah, it's probably also a combination on those two back to back run plays of also. They really did like what they saw in the box. And if they do get those blocks that when you watch them over again, it looks like Travis Frederick isn't quite there on either one. The one looks like Connor Williams doesn't hand up. It looks like he just hands him off and, and doesn't seal that block before getting to the next level. If he, if they do that, they should get easy yardage there because they are facing some, you know, double teams on the back end. So there is some space there. Um, but when you can't even block that up, then it just, I don't know. The, I think the the looks plus the time, I think, are all combined in there to why but, they, they like those plays. In a span of two and a half minutes, though, they went from their own six-yard line to the Minnesota 30. So why are you running to the line to get a play in before the two-minute warning if you're trying to run clock? Like I don't know. I, I don't think Jason can answer that. I, and and maybe and this, is, this is the whole thing. Maybe he doesn't know. You know, maybe no, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm pretty like I like there's no explanation for it. That's I mean, that's a big reason. Like, you know, you're asking why I just I, I don't know why you would do that. And it's not talked about because they got eight yards and they got a first down. Right. OK, so fine. We'll move on. All right. I just keep I'll put that in the back of my mind. We'll just call that a, you know, a bone to pick. All right. I'll, I'll put that aside. First and 10. They go to Cooper for eight yards. Very nice. 157 left. Now 133 left. They get in a no huddle. They're getting shotgunned. Zeke up the middle for no gain, okay? Now, they snapped that ball. If they were trying to run clock, they snapped that ball with a lot of time left on the clock. So, if they were trying to run clock, then I just can't believe that because you would have ran the play clock down, you know, at least inside 10 seconds. They snapped that ball with plenty of time on the play clock left. They get nothing. Then they panic, hustle up to the line, on third and two, and Zeke is stopped for minus three, and now you got a fourth and five coming up. Again, you snap that ball with in between 20 and 25 seconds left on the clock. In fact, I have it right here, how much time was on the clock. Let me let me get this, guys, because that's frustrating. If the, if the answer is that you were trying to run clock, well, that's not what you were showing on the field. On second and two, they snapped the ball with 22 seconds left on the play clock. On third and two, they snapped the ball 
with 19 seconds left in the play clock while having all three timeouts. So if you were trying to run clock, then you were leaving a lot of clock out there. So this is just, and maybe Dak should take some of this heat too. All right, whatever. Dak was awesome last night, but it doesn't matter. The main guy in charge here has a history of screwing all this crap up, and that's what happened. So don't tell me you were trying to run clock when you left the play clock at 20 seconds. Dude, there are eight-year-olds who are playing Madden who know how to manage a game better than Garrett. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think... I'm, I'm not being unfair either. This is, no. like, this is, this is a tired trend. It's, I'm done with it. Yeah, and I think I think one thing is that if you're if you're a coach that's like that, then I think you have so much money, dude. Just hire someone to be a game manager to like you know like if you if you just want to be the head coach, hire somebody that makes those decisions because guys like Garrett or like even Andy Reid for all the success he has, why not why not just hire someone that tells you when to call a timeout because obviously you suck at it. So I mean, like yeah, those things. Like I I just think that. Like, you know, for all the money that an organization has, hiring one more guy to, to make those decisions or like, you know, when to challenge, when to call a timeout, when to do what, like those things, uh, those things should should just change. Yeah, that's that's would be helping Jason as much as you could, you know, if if they really wanted to do that, you know, well, that's how you would help Jason. But I so after that play, I don't know if you guys saw this after the third and two play and there's a big stop, and Travis gets beat pretty good there. It looks like Connor Williams got beat. I'm not sure who the responsibility was, if it was Travis or Connor. But, you know, it's a three-yard loss. Did you guys see Travis look over to the coaching staff, or at least look over to the sideline? I did. Yeah. I mean, that is the most – and maybe it's a guy on the field just in the moment, you know, fired up and, and ticked off. But, you know, that's the most, like – a one individual you might have on this entire team, and for him to show that frustration, it tells me that these these guys know there there's some issues here. They know what do you what do you think the issue of, is? What do you think? What do you think he was mad about? Because I think it goes several several different directions. I think they're mad at they that they rushed up to the line and ran a play when they had three timeouts and they could have they could have chilled out. That's what I think. Now he might have been mad that either Connor missed his assignment or that he got beat on his assignment. But I, from afar, it's real easy for me to say they just ran that play on second and two, and what you're going to run it again? Look how predictable this is. Yeah, so, no, all those are possibilities. But I didn't want to. I don't know. I didn't want you to leave out the being upset with the, the Connor Williams passing off, passing off the defender uh, and getting to the second level uh, yeah. the way he did because there's no way well, he was happy about that. And, and what if it's, again, this is a little reckless until, you know, you go talk to Travis in the locker room and all this stuff, you know. But, like, what if it was a thing where he's looking at the sideline guy and going, guys, you know Connor can't win this assignment. Oh, oh. Uh, you got, have you now seen you everything that's happened tonight? You know he can't do that. Stop running the ball up the left side here. You know he can't win that. Now, again, just – just being, just throwing things out there because I can. You know? No, reckless KT is the best KT. Reckless, dude. Reckless speculation is always fun on uh, losing cowboy losing games, cowboy losing podcast. I guess is what this is. Um, so now we got to go to the fourth and five situation. God, we're gonna be right in an hour today. We're doing real good. Fourth and five today. Uh, fourth and five. You, they take the timeout. Minnesota actually took the timeout. 
And I'm glad Minnesota took it because, you know, Cowboys needed to kind of keep those three timeouts just in case things went bad. And it looked like this play was just a, a design and we're going to try to get Zeke in space and throw it to him. Not really going to read the defense and take a throw. And I, who knows what the call was, what the design was, what the progressions were, but it looked pretty clear. Hey, let's uh, get it to Zeke on an out route. Maybe he can beat the linebacker, get the first down. That's what it seemed like that was just the go-to plan A situation no matter what. Yeah, it looked like they had some extra coverage on the other side of the field because of the fact that on the right side of the field, because you had Randall Cobb over there. Obviously, he was having his best day as a Cowboy. Amari Cooper was over there. Obviously, he was being Amari Cooper. and so Amari was, was actually, doubled there, though. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, that, I mean, that was like – and that was out of the option or out of the question. But, uh, man, it just – I mean, I hate to be so critical of the play calling because I don't know – I can't give you a great example of what I would have done in this situation to make it any better. But I just feel like with them calling that timeout and the game being on the line and that's what you got is just – that leaves me scratching my head. Like everything was working in the in the passing game up until that point, and then you run that play where I don't know that – I don't know the last time I've seen Zeke even run that play. And and let's not act like he was against like I love that play if it's like Kendricks got hurt earlier in the game and they have like his backup in there who's like he was on the practice squad and this is like his first or second game you know with the club. But like Eric Kendricks is, is good. Pretty damn good. Like I don't know, I didn't I didn't understand that that was it. Like you know, I mean he made a great play, but I almost kind of expected like the way that that went down. I don't know, like there wasn't really any separation on that route. And it was like, that looked like the only option. I don't know. It was, I, again, if it would have happened right after the last run, I could have said, yeah, maybe they were lost or they were rushed or whatever. But because Minnesota called the timeout, it just left me sitting there going, that's what you came up with. Yeah. And, and and John, to your point, like, uh, I want to bring up two things. First of all, did you see what the Vikings defensive end said? Uh, Ifiadi Odengubu? Or whatever. Oh, I know. What the, I know said? the individual you're talking about, but no, I didn't know. Okay, so this is this is what he said. And this is this is kind of where, like, you know, uh, I go back to like the coaching because after the game, he they asked him if he was surprised to see a run. He was like, and he said, and I quote, "No, we knew our film. We knew on film that even in the two minute drills, they do run the ball. They want to catch you slipping. Uh, that is one thing, Coach Rob and Coach Patterson. They prepped us up and said, "Hey, even two minute drill, even if they don't have ideal personnel, be ready for that." It is fortunate we did our film study, and it was and and that was a huge play. So again, their coaches had them prepared for that, um, and and they knew that it was coming. And I, I just think that you have to, and when you're when you're the Cowboys coaching staff in those situations, you you have to. You have to assume the other coaches are smart too, and they're going to prepare for that. So you have to counter with something with something else. You know, I feel like we talk about Belichick every single week, and it's because he caters his game plan to the other team. He customizes what his team is going to do based on what the other team does. Whereas Jason Garrett just kind of goes, you know what? This is what we do. This is how we do it, and we're going to beat you doing it. And if they don't, and if they don't win, then it's there's no adjustments. There's no if they don't win the battles, there's no adjusting to it. Garrett just kind of sticks to what he does. And that's why Garrett's career winning percentage against winning teams is like 366. You know? Like, it's not good. You know, his uh, overall winning percentage is really good. Not really good. It's okay. I mean, it's about, you know, a little over 500. Uh, I think he's in the 560 area uh, winning percentage. 
well, you know, you've beaten up on some bad teams and things like that or whatever. You know, it's time to go look at how these coaches play against winning teams. Yeah, Garrett, not very good. Not even a 400 clip right there against winning teams in his career. And we've seen it time and time again. Now, the Cowboys get a stop. There's 31 seconds left on the clock. The Vikings punt. The Cowboys use up all their timeouts. Tavon Austin calls for a fair catch at the 45-yard line. Now, I, you know, my feeling is that he was told just catch the ball to save time. That's my estimation of what happened. There were some screen caps out there. I'll kind of show you. It looked like he might have had some room to run and get a pretty decent return. I don't know how you guys felt about that. We'll start with you, Saad. How did you feel about Tavon Austin fair catching that right there? Do you think he was told to do that? Uh, what was your overall thought on that? I, I think I think there's a chance they might be told, and, and it's just speculation on my part. But at the same time, Tavon Austin is a veteran in this league, and I think if the coach tells you to fair catch it and you see justified reason not to do that, then you don't do that. Like, like if this was Tony Pollard back there, then like I understand you're a rookie. You kind of just do what you're told and things like that. I mean, I, I, you know, I have to go back and watch that again because I don't know exactly when he started waving for the fair catch because the, because if it was very early, there's a chance that that's what caused the, uh, the Vikings coverage team to slow down. I don't know if that's the case, but if he had that much room, then he should be able to take it, take the initiative and take the punt and get some yards because he, he has enough you know skin on the wall in this league. I think that there is a possibility that there was some uh, mix-up in communication there on how that was explained to him because I could see it being the case where he thinks that he's supposed to just do a fair catch no matter what because they don't want to take off any time. But listening to Jason Garrett on the radio this morning doing his weekly uh, radio show follow up on 105.3 The Fan. That, you know he was asked about that several different ways, and he said that he has the option. Like they obviously, if anything's close, they don't want you. He doesn't want you running from sideline to sideline trying to break tackles and just run clock. But basically, if you have a chance to get north and south, then to take it. It wasn't like there was an uh, you know hard and fast rule. Hey, you have to fair catch this. If there's something there then you have the option to, you know, hey, catch this and, and try and pick up some yards going, he's, as he said, north and south. So that's what that's what Jason's saying. I don't know that Tavon Austin felt the same way because I do believe he waved fair catch r- pretty early on, like that was the, the deal all along. So maybe that impacted the way that, because obviously we've seen that clip from the kind of all 22 from the one end zone, and it, there's just a lot of green grass in front of him and a lot of blockers in front of him. So I don't know if that would have been different. Um but it certainly seemed like he thought that that was what he was supposed to do. It was a way fair catch, regardless of what was going on around him. And the way they they'd been throwing the ball, I didn't really didn't have a problem with it, honestly. I mean, I understand you want to try to get the explosive play, but the way punt returns have happened in this league, you're not seeing many anymore. If it's going to happen, I I guess I don't mind taking a shot either way, but it's not like that was something I was butthurt about. Because the way they were moving the ball through the air, I thought, man, you could probably get one completion over the middle, spike it, maybe a completion to the sidelines, and then – You've given yourself 20, 25 yards to the end zone. That's kind of the way I was looking at it. Didn't work out that way. They were only able to get a couple completions to Jarwin to get about 10 yards. And then the Hail Mary, man, I thought Jarwin almost Jar, – Jarwin had a chance to get that thing on the Hail Mary, but uh, it ends up being picked off. And, uh, another you know garbage time stat against hey, that. Hey, real quick, real quick, how wild was it when on that first carry? Uh, Delvin Cook, like that ball flipped up in the air. I was like – Oh, Yeah. Like, what was that? <laughs> Dude, I forgot about that. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, oh, my God, they, they nearly fumbled and gave the Cowboys the ball at the eight-yard line. 
You know, and then you're just like, what are we talking about now? We might be talking oh, about a Cowboys win or we're talking more Cowboys about the being rigged and, and, and we shouldn't even watch these games anymore because it's all fixed. <laughs> Sorry. Some there are times there are times I wonder that. But no, that's not <laughs> realistic and we all know it. But uh so there it is. The Cowboys are still the Cowboys under the Jason Garrett regime. That's I mean, that's my number one when I went to bed last night, I had so much on my mind. Uh, I didn't really want to sleep. And I just kept going. This is this is what I should be expecting. I don't know why I'm, I would even get worked up over this at this point. It's been a decade, and nothing is going to change. And yes, the run defense needed to be better, right? And yes, you need a secondary member to make a play. You know, at some point in the game. And yes, you need more pass rush. I know those are all things that we can talk about. I know that. Yes, you need to. If you're the highest paid offensive line in the league, and you are. Yeah, you need your highest paid running back in the league to get more than 46 yards. I get all that. But I just don't think this coaching staff puts that team in a position to succeed enough. And that's where it bothers me. The The idea, and this is a stat that I know everyone's looking at these days, but on first down, they ran the ball 16 times on first down, 11 times on first down in the first half right there. And it's like, okay, for a grand total of how many yards? Like under 40 yards? Like you're not – if you're not making a lot of hay on first and 10, then maybe let's stop running the ball on first and 10. I'm not saying every single time. And I know there's a lot of people out there. I know most people or the majority want to – you know, are tired of Garrett and all that stuff. There are a lot of people out there saying, man, this is on the players. Every time the Cowboys lose, you blame it on Jason, which might be true. But this one, for whatever I've ever said in the past – this one last night, that's on you, buddy. That's yeah. all on you. And this yeah, five KT. and four start, this five and four start, that's on you because this should be a seven and two team right now. Yeah, and and, and what you're speaking of, people saying on the players, that's a small, small minority. It is. Here's the other thing: like these are multiple regimes of play. This roster has been completely flipped the entire time. I mean, Jason Garrett has been head coach. In, in a league that the players don't stick around very long, and, and very few do. And it's very rare that a coach keeps their job this long without making a deep postseason run. And so I, I don't think that I don't think that there's very many people that are blaming it on the players as much as I just especially this morning waking up, you know, being on Twitter, I, I just it certainly seems like everyone is is putting this on Garrett, which made it interesting that when he was doing his radio show how he made it very clear that Kellen calls the plays, and 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 you know he yeah. made it very clear that Tavon has the option to uh, return that he doesn't have to fair catch, and he made it very clear to say that um, that even though those those run plays that there there are options out of those plays to still pass, like it was like he was really covering his tracks on this, and I I, I can't say that I've really heard him be like that very much, and I mean he certainly knows uh, that this thing isn't treading in a good direction for him. Well. I um I've said my piece. I'm pissed. Uh, what about you guys? You guys, final words, and we'll we'll definitely uh get you ready for Cowboys Lions next Sunday. We'll have that later in the week. You guys have any final thoughts? Anything you want to get off your chest here? Well, I, the next time the Cowboys beat a team that's over 500 when they play them, they'll be the first time this season. So, um, they don't really have that win under their belt right now. Um, and their next chance to do that is going to be the New England Patriots in Foxborough. So, good luck. I just, good my luck. only thing I was going to add is, like I said earlier, I just, I don't understand how you get through a game without Dak running at least one time. I don't understand how you get through a, through a game 
without Dak running at least three times, to be honest with you. I just, um, I'm, I'm not saying he has to take any big hits. He can sit there and get five, six yards and slide. He can run out of bounds, whatever. But I, I just don't know how do you, you know, in 2019, don't utilize that weapon uh, more often, especially in a game like this, especially when the last two times are the loss to the Chargers and then that, that awful loss to the Colts last year. So once a season, it's been this trend where there's just this one game where it's almost like, did, did you forget about that? Like, why why is he run? I mean, I don't think he's banged up. He certainly didn't seem like that, like where you're trying to get avoid any extra hits. Uh, so that, uh, that was just some something that when I looked at the statue, just kind of left me scratching my head because it's like if you were going to run late, why don't you run something that maybe you they didn't see coming and that maybe be something where Dak keeps the ball or gives him yeah. an option to either keep or throw. So that's really it for me. I think we've we've pretty much covered uh, uh, how frustrating it is to watch this team <laughs> lately. I had a feeling that we would go long today, and we did, but that's okay. We do it for you, uh, you the loyal subscribers of The Athletic. And uh, uh, this is – you can also you know, listen to this wherever you listen to your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, name off all the, uh, the podcast apps. I don't really know what they are. But uh, please listen to this on The Athletic and tell your friends and share it and like it and do all that good stuff. That helps us out a lot. Big content coming all week long from Saad Youssef. You got anything uh, big that you're working on, Saad, that you want to promote or anything? Well, I got you know big Mavericks week, so uh, so I'll be I'll have a I'll have a Cowboys thing. Um, we'll see uh, dip, see what it is, but then uh, yeah, a pretty cool story about Porzingis and Luca. To if you're if you're a crossover Cowboys Mavericks fan, which I'm sure there are a lot. Absolutely, they are. The, the Mavericks are uh, six and three right now, which is what the Cowboys should have been. But they uh, <laughs> they lost last night and are five and four. And uh, yeah, yeah, not good, not good. Uh, make sure you stay tuned to the Athletic. Big stuff coming all week. Of course, Bob will have his two big pieces: the Richard the, uh, the Richard report and uh, decoding Kellen Moore. John, as always, will have stuff throughout the week. Anything special you want to promote, John, or is that kind of still up in the air because it's Monday when we're recording this? No, no, I have ideas, but I know that we've gained so much traction with this podcast that the competition is listening. I can't tip them off. Okay, yep. Well, I think the Vikings were ready for that pass, the Randall Cobb pass. <laughs> Obviously. Um, all right, for Kent Garrison, who is producing not only this podcast, but many other podcasts in the athletic family, thank you so much, Kent. Thank you to Saad Youssef, as always. Thank you to Father John Mashoda. I am Kevin KT Turner, and this has been another losing edition of About Them Cowboys. See you later in the week.